Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Forming us with God's bands and breathing to the breath of life. When Angelo attempted to paint that creation scene on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome, he pictured the final action of our making as the touch of God's outstretched hand to the limp, lifeless hand of Adam. Michelangelo's image is set in the brief moment before that creative, life-giving touch. Can't you almost sense the arc of life jumping from the hand of God to the hand of Adam? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? That we're given life through the touch of God. But God's touch comes to us in many forms, through each other, as well as from within. Perhaps it's our experience in the Eucharist or in your prayer time alone with God. Maybe you're a recipient of his miraculous healing, or perhaps you've witnessed that of another. His touch is not limited by time and space, and it has no boundaries. Our finite minds cannot fathom the power of his touch or how far-reaching it really is. We find the touch of God by means of healing. It is a story which is really two stories intertwined. In the first story, a synagogue's ruler, beloved daughter, is very sick. He pleads for Jesus to come to his house to place his hands on her. But the child dies before Jesus can arrive. But in the end, Jesus gives her more than a physician's touch. He gives her more than the ruler asked for or could even imagine. He offers her a creator's life-giving touch. In the second story, a woman has suffered with continual bleeding for 12 years, and she stretches forth her faith and her hand to touch Jesus as he accompanies Jairus to his house. She too is healed. What is Mark trying to tell us with these intertwined stories of the bleeding woman and the dying child? First, it seems to me, Mark wants us to see the contrast between the woman and the little girl. Could the contrast be more sharper drawn? The little girl is the beloved daughter of the leader of the community, a religious leader, and the ruler of the synagogue. Now, if anyone could request a home visit from Jesus, it would be this man, right? So what does Jesus do? He changed his direction immediately and followed the ruler to his house. He came to bring the healing touch of God. Now, I'll bet no one was surprised that this touch should be applied to the house of such innocence, holiness, and piety. Shouldn't godly people who love their families and serve their places of worship 
receive the touch of God? Of course. But the other woman of this story is a different sort altogether. She said her of her money as she went through the gamut of physicians, then bled her dignity and hope as she watched her dreams for her family, children, and future ebb away. And now that the condition is incurable, she suffers the double indignity of social and religious exile. Her bleeding makes her ritually unclean, unfit for worship in the synagogue of the ruler and his daughter. She suffers the taunts and the whispers of other people, of those who assume her suffering is a punishment from God. She is orphaned, orphaned from society, labeled a sinner, penniless and frail. Yet this woman works her way through the crowd to make one last desperate lunge of hope. It seems she's too embarrassed to ask Jesus to touch her. She makes the decision to touch him, or at least the edge of his clothing. And here is the surprise of this story. This woman is healed just the same as the little girl. With no more than an outstretched hand of faith, the bleeding stopped. The miracles of Jesus remind us that the way things are is not the way they will always be. And there is power available to us through our kinship with him. He is living proof that God's will for us is not at wholeness. And every miracle proclaims this truth. The kingdom breaks through, and for a moment or two, we see how things ought to be and how they will be. Yet we are a part of this fulfillment, friends, now. Because we are a people of faith, people of prayer, and we are filled with the power of the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who prays for a miracle will get one. And in the meanwhile, it seems there are people who get them without even asking for them at all. Our job, simply said, is to pray. And it's up to God what happens as a result. We pray with an expectant faith, looking forward to something happening, even though it may not be the outcome we expected, because God is always at work. Father Mark spelled out three things last week as it relates to faith. And it seems to me these principles run congruently with a bold prayer life. First, faith. It is a belief in Jesus Christ and who he is. 
You see, it's all about him. Second, ourself. It is Jesus who heals and works through us. His willing and yielded vessels. We are to keep our eyes on him. And thirdly, faith lived out. And this is to remain faithful in the midst of challenges and trials and struggles. In last week's gospel lesson, after Jesus calmed the storm with word only, peace be still, he point blank asked the disciples, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? We see something similar in today's gospel. Jesus says to Jairus, do not fear, but believe. For by now, the leader of the house had reported back to Jesus and Jairus that the daughter was dead. At this point, maybe we're thinking we have found a formula. A formula for healing miracles. Jesus says it. Do not fear, only believe. Hmm. Do we think, maybe, if we just believed hard enough that our prayers would be answered, are we praying wrong? Or maybe, maybe we just need more faith. And then things will turn out all right. After all, that's how it worked for Jairus. His daughter was saved. My gosh, she was resurrected and all was well. But friends, it doesn't work that way. Not every time. Miraculous healings are not something we control. Only God can. Still, we pray. And when we pray, we concentrate on the healing power and strength of Jesus Christ. Because this in itself is an act of faith. There's another high point in this story, and one should be cautious not to gloss over it. It's equally as powerful, perhaps even the climax. Listen again to the words of Jesus to Jairus. Do not fear, only believe. Because you see, if Jairus could do that, then he would have survived whatever happened next. Even if Jesus had walked into his daughter's room, closed her eyes with his fingertips, and pulled the sheet over her head. You see, the father's belief at that point would have become the miracle. It was his willingness to believe that she was still in God's loving hands, even though she slipped out of his. Now, I've experienced this. I lost a daughter. 
but it was enabled me to not fear, but believe. This, friends, is miraculous, supernatural grace. One that flows from an unending reservoir of love, a love that takes on itself the bitterness in the sting of death and grief and pain. He is faithful, and he hears our prayers. Only he knows the outcome, and we trust him, no matter the cost, with the result. Now, I find this helpful, and I hope you do too. Remember that Jesus prayed for a miracle on the night before he died? For all things are possible, he prayed to his Abba Father. Remove this cup from me. Only when Jesus opened his eyes, the cup was still there. Did he lack faith? I don't think so. The miracle here was that he drank the cup. Believing in the power of God more than he believed in his own. Now, we don't stop praying for miracles and miraculous healings because we're called to this. I recall as a hospital chaplain praying for a man once in ICU, he told me that he was a believer and he requested that I pray for healing from his physical As a chaplain, more often than not, I'm never, ever aware of the outcome of patients or for the prayer that I've lifted up for them. But this time, God blessed me because I received a phone call at the pastoral care office, and this man who I had prayed for wanted to share with me his experience, and it was with Jesus. He told me of the warmth experienced in his heart as I was praying for him and about the love of God that surrounded him in the room that day. He was so excited and joyful as he was telling me this, he brought tears to my eyes. He went on to share about his doubt in God because of everything he'd been through. See, he was a young man. He had endured a lot of things. He shared that he had blamed God. He was angry at God. He was at the edge of giving up on God and turning his back on him altogether. Until that day. Now what's important here is that you know, not once did he mention his physical health. For his healing was in the reconciliation with his maker. Another time I had the privilege to pray for a person who requested healing prayer for a chronic illness that they had been dealing with for years. But what occurred was not expected. Another healing took place in the body that had become secondary for them. It was a secondary problem that was healed entirely. You see, we never know how healing will manifest. But what we absolutely do know 
is God heals. And in ways far beyond what we can comprehend or imagine. He loves us. He wants us to be in wholeness. He wants us to be healed. Now I leave you with this. Because that's a loaded gospel. But I believe Mark also calls on us today to reflect further on this gospel account, pondering these questions as well. Will we be the community formed by Jesus that finally reaches and touches the untouchables like the bleeding woman? Will we welcome the unwelcome? Will we become a family for a stranger? Will we be the place who reminds the person that is anemic from the steady bleeding of their physical, emotional, addictive, mental, or spiritual anguish that their suffering can stop here? Will we stretch forth the healing and welcoming hand of God? Many are dying for that kind of touch today. Will we offer that hand? Will we offer that prayer for the healing love so that they can receive the love that he so desperately desires to lavish upon them? If so, let this be our miracle. So once again, the world will see the touch in the fingerprint of our God. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.